It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. you thank you very much indeed for your company on this absolutely well certainly where i am um beautiful beautiful monday morning sun is shining i'm reliably informed that by midday it will be chucking it down and then it will continue to do so for the rest of the week so welcome to the final week of may everybody uh, although next week apparently a little bit more cheerful i don't know if it's going to bring much cheer to boris johnson though uh, it's revealed today front page of the sun that he and his uh, fiance have sent out invitations to their wedding next year how lucky he was wedding wasn't scuppered this year as uh, many many uh, hundreds of thousands of weddings were by uh, Covid rules and indeed last year as well uh, but uh, he's facing a very difficult week ahead with his former close aide Dominic Cummings of course the man who led the Vote Leave campaign and uh, his bid for re-election and leading us out of, uh, out of the EU uh, but uh, Dominic Cummings since being forced out last November because of clashes with uh, the Prime Minister's fiance Carrie Simons as uh, well now the one of the chief critics of the Prime Minister and wow is he putting the boot in uh, lots of people also putting the boot into the BBC and uh, also an awful uh, lot of uh, poop being put into it, as we are just discussing with James. Our Eurovision entry, James Newman. It wasn't a very good entry, but I frankly, I'm, as I say, unbelievably proud that we got the old classic nul point. It works for me. Um, to discuss all of these stories and many, many more, because it is a very busy news day, delighted to welcome back uh, Tom Slater, Deputy Editor of Spiked Online. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Julia. Morning. Um, let's also, we're going to be talking about uh, Belarus and, and dentistry and, and goodness knows what else this morning. But first up, let's talk about Dominic Cummings because mm. um, he is, um, I mean, he's a, he's a, well, I mean, he's a Marmite figure, to say the least. <laughs> there are many who, who like me, who, who for an awfully long time actually were very, very big fans. I, I understand him to be one of the most difficult people in the world, not the most friendly soul. Uh, but um, the fact that he delivered, you know, Brexit and uh, and uh, he, he actually pushed those things through. I, I, I you know, I was, I'm a big fan or was a big fan not when he went to Barnard Castle I, I very much not a fan of people who think that they can make the rules for other people but they don't have to pay them mm. themselves I thought that was absolutely untenable um, but now he is putting the boot in uh, to Boris Johnson he's going to appear before a select committee on Wednesday well it's the joint select committee health and social care and the science select committee answering questions about the the pandemic and he's already been writing blog after blog after blog and uh, and tweet after tweet after tweet basically damning everything that everyone else did uh, running up to the pandemic. Um, how damaging is this going to be for Boris Johnson, for the government, for indeed the the scientific and medical advisers for the government? Well, I suppose it depends how big this alleged bombshell is going to be. He suggested he's got some sort of document that there's only one copy of, which will really explode the claims of the government. The idea 
that central to what he's saying is, of course, that the government was pursuing actively a herd immunity strategy before it kind of U-turned. But at the same time, I think it really it would be interesting to see how it lands with the public, really, because as you say, Dominic Cummings' name is pretty much dirt since the Barnard Castle incident. Yeah. For, for, um, for leavers and remainers alike. I mean, for remainers, it was already dirt. Mm, no, completely. I mean, that's the other thing is that many people outside of SW1 didn't know who this man was until the Barnard Castle incident. So their introduction to him was that. Therefore, all that kind of blunt the impact. And also, to be honest, we've, we've gotten into quite a semantic argument over this over the weekend where it's was it a herd immunity strategy was it something in which herd immunity was just the byproduct of what it is that we're trying to do to squash the sombrero etc i just feel like in the midst of the vaccine rollout and all the rest of it people generally feeling a bit more optimistic the tory's actually riding high to a certain extent yeah. will this land a significant blow i'm not 100 percent convinced but we wait to see what happens on wednesday well that's it i mean we and we know that he's rewritten history before he sort of has a habit of rewriting his blogs and, and adding bits in and say oh no, no i was writing about this at the time no, no you weren't you, you've added that in, <laughs> in january mate um i mean this is the thing I mean, again this phrase herd immunity has has become one of the sort of the dirty sort of dark phrases and and it's sort of somehow it's sort of akin to someone sort of wanting to sort of let it rip and kill everybody. Absolute nonsense. How you would how the human race has survived every virus since time immemorial is through herd immunity. That's mm. that is how we survive. It's not a bad thing. It is just simply a thing. Um, and the vaccination program is a way of achieving, as, as, uh, as Susan Harris was saying yesterday on the Jenny Harris, sorry, on on the television, the former deputy chief medical officer, that you know the vaccine is being rolled out to give us herd immunity to have enough people protected. But um, when Dominic Cummings says, you know, that the, the, this is herd immunity was Plan A, he's he says in the, last night he said hundreds of thousands would have been choking to death. They moved to Plan B. The official plan was disastrously misconceived. He said, and a Plan B had to be bodged amid total and utter chaos and basically criticised everyone involved. Um, when he talks about the official plan as disastrously misconceived, um, it was World Health Organization mm. pandemic guidance. This was this was what until 2020 was considered to be the norm. It was what every country would have done in, in Europe and around the world if it hadn't been for people going, oh, China locked everyone in, welded people into their homes. That seems to have worked because, of course, we never got the full figures from China, but it also a totalitarian state operating in that way. This might work. But um, it is no... I mean, it's Patrick Valance back in March 2020... He was talking about, you know, flat, the aims of the pol policy at the time, this is before we went into lockdown, was flattening the curve to have a broader epidemic, not a sharp peak. So the, the idea was not that there would be fewer people dying but, and being infected, but that you would have, would not have them all getting ill at the same time. And so you had to choose between who to treat. They, they, the same people would all get infected and some of those sadly would die. But but you wouldn't be treating them all at the same time and therefore having to pick and choose who died. I mean, that was when, and you talked about protecting the elderly and the vulnerable, which, of course, was spectacularly failed to do in terms mm. of care homes. Um, again, this, this was established, well-established um, pandemic policy around the world, established by decades upon decades of, of experience and medical expertise and investigation. What we have done in the last year with lockdowns is the experiment based on no fact whatsoever and and now proven there's no correlation around the world between the countries that lock down sooner, lock down harder, lock down longer. There's no correlation between number of deaths from COVID um, and lockdowns. But however, the only correlation there is, is number of deaths from other things if you mm. lock down. And we, and we are seeing this with like people not getting cancer treatment. 
the the rewriting of history so that the likes of people like Professor Carl Hennigan at Oxford University who we're going to speak to after seven is the sort of the the crazy person saying something unusual as opposed to the person saying should we follow established mm. academic knowledge um, it, it's quite extraordinary what's happened it's crazy and that's one of the big myths I think of the uh story of the UK's response to the pandemic. There's this kind of idea that you had the scientific advisors who in the background were saying, we need to do more, we need to do more. And that the government and Boris Johnson, because they were devil may care and libertarian, they were just all indecisive. They were holding out for so long. They were following the scientific advice in those early days when herd immunity was being discussed pretty openly, uh, when restrictions were going to be kept to a minimum because we've got to be in this for the long term. There's a lot of knock-on effects. Again, a kind of general acceptance as well that even though you've got one very serious crisis being you're being confronted with mm. that your response to it could create all kinds of other crises yeah. um, and it just it's important to remember that I think the decision to go into lockdown was ultimately political there yeah. was huge political pressure heaped on Boris Johnson to do it again Italy going into lockdown suggested that the democratic world could go down this path even though that was unthinkable as, previously. as, as Professor Neil Ferguson said mm. you know we, we didn't think we could do it and then we knew then we, ne- we never thought we would get away with it was his phrase <laughs> which I think is pretty revealing. Why he's not been pulled up on that more, I don't know. But again, I think just people don't quite remember now how unprecedented this was. It was a departure, as you say, from the pandemic planning and the scientific advice up until that point. But also, aside from anything else, we're a liberal democratic country, allegedly. These are not the sorts of decisions that you should be able to make so easily and cavalierly. And that seems to have changed dramatically and Dominic Cummings it sounds like was very much on the authoritarian side of that argument in that case yeah indeed I mean it it is very it is a simple matter of fact that Sage never discussed lockdown before the 23rd of March they simply didn't discuss it it was not even on the agenda as something that would be done because it was such an absurd idea that you would lock down the entire country um I mean that that is that is that's certainly quite quite a big giveaway I do think and also it's quite clear in terms of what Dominic Cummings has said in terms of you know we were looking at plan a which was going to lead to hundreds of thousands of people choking to death um he he was clearly totally taken in by Professor Neil Ferguson and the Imperial College uh, uh, prophecies if and that's what they were prophecies they weren't based on any fact they were much computer modeling you only have to look at Sweden to know straight away that that wasn't what was going to happen. Sweden, if you if you if you transcribe what the prediction was for the UK onto Sweden, they have had a fraction of the deaths that were predicted for them not locking down. So we we know that 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 Imperial College um, prediction was wrong. Yes, and what's so striking as well, if you remember the reporting back in uh, March and April, the idea was that Dominic Cummings was supposed to be the one saying, you know, let it rip, you know, this will just wipe out the elderly, etc. It just shows how kind of politicised yeah. this has been. But I think in relation to a figure like Dominic Cummings, because as you say, he's very associated with Brexit, but at the same time, he is ultimately a kind of technocrat. He thinks that yeah. the best form of government is data geeks running everything, and his big criticism of the elite, if you like, is that it's just full of idiots. It needs to be full of the smart people who can yeah. make the right decisions, who know all the data, who read all the complicated blogs that he reads. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a little bit in this discussion now is the fact that that's his kind of worldview, despite the fact he's attached to this kind of more radical yeah. democratic project. He's very much a kind of technocrat. Although I do find it so strange that he's talking about how the strategy was so wrong at a time when he was 
the senior yeah. advisor to the, <laughs> to, no, but to he the also, prime minister. These criticisms so. that Boris Boris Johnson apparently missed crucial meetings. He was writing a biography of Shakespeare and he needed the money and he you know couldn't lose his advance and the like. But I mean, we know it is a fact that Boris Johnson was not at crucial meetings. I mean, again, mm. he doesn't do detail. No, no, no one voted for Boris Johnson thinking he was a detailed man who turned <laughs> up to all the meetings. That, that's that's unfortunately the truth. Um, in terms of uh, the vaccine rollout, sixty million doses now given across the UK. Twenty um, first of June, we're told, is looking good. The prime minister is going to mm. make a statement again this week that's going to, you know, looking forward to that. Uh, this, of course, as we discovered, oh, I mean, imagine everyone's surprised that the vaccines work on the Indian variant. Um, I mean, what a shocker. Um, but we're looking at jabs going down to under 30s uh, within a matter of days. Um, it, you just know, though, that as we approach June the 21st, as things start to look good, you just absolutely know there's going to be more variants and there's going to be, again, more doom mongering. Oh, up to 50% more transmissible. Looks like the Indian one, 20 to 30%, so more in the realms of the Kent variant. Um, and, uh, and and certainly not more more dangerous, uh, more likely to cause death. Um, we, we are going to be battling every single day of every week until June the 21st to make sure that happens. And, and then from then on, certainly in the autumn and the winter, we're going to be battling all this again, aren't we? Well, it certainly feels like that. I can't imagine a situation now in which Boris Johnson would just get on television and say it's over or it's on the road to being over, despite the fact that we've got at this point the um, most incredible vaccine rollout. Because we're getting to the point where we're even going to overtake Israel because they have far bigger issues with vaccine hesitancy than we do. You know, more than 90 percent take up across the country. This is remarkable. And as you say, Indian variants or any other variant that we've been confronted with so far cannot seriously evade these vaccines in any meaningful sense. And yet we're still so cautious. I think that just tells us how much things have really changed over the past 18 months and how it just feels like we're going to be stuck in this until there's just a shift in mindset in government, which recognises that you can't just keep us in suspended animation like this for a yeah. threat which doesn't yet exist yeah, exactly. in the form of vaccine that, again, variants. That's so. an argument to, to, to be in uh, lockdown forever and ever. Also interesting, by the way, that Dr Anthony Fauci, uh, the head of the CDC in America, uh, has, uh, has actually said that he thinks that there needs to be investigation into uh, uh, whether or not that the, the virus is as a result of a leak from the Wuhan lab as opposed to just a, a simple, just you know, accidental transfer from, from animals to humans. I mean, what a surprise. Again, classic part of the misinformation a lot of people who've been talking about this being told being suppressed by big tech trying to stop uh, you know censoring stuff that people are discussing online and what a surprise oh now dr fauci says it oh now it's okay to say it. so many things that people like you and me and others have been saying for the last year as you know word you know as 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 finally you know, the reality gets in oh oh no now it's okay but it's okay because someone like dr fauci has said it as opposed to someone else who must therefore be a conspiracy theorist it's remarkable. It's just been an amazing lesson in how this idea of the science, this idea that you can have someone in a big tech firm just kind of deciding what is and isn't true, particularly in a fast moving situation where we yeah. don't really know the, the nature of this threat, how to tackle it, where it came from. Mm. That level of certainty on the part of the elites, on the part of Silicon Valley is absolutely absurd. You yeah. need that kind of free and open discussion because that's how you get at the truth of these matters. But yes. it seems like we forgot that in the middle that's, of this pandemic. That's actually what science is. Yes, so the, the, the challenge. <laughs> Of it. Uh, 6.47 is the time. We'll look at all the front pages. Lots of other stories to talk about as well with Tom Slater. This is Talk Radio. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.